0: Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast, I'm Eric Dick. Today we're throwing down with Director of E-Commerce for Jones Road Beauty, Cody Plofker. When makeup icon Bobby Brown sold her namesake cosmetic company to Estee Lauder, she quickly realized she didn't wanna work for a billion dollar conglomerate. Soon after, she started Jones Road Beauty with the idea that less is more, capitalizing on some of the more naturalistic trends we're seeing in beauty. She quickly brought on Cody to lead her growth, who happens to be her son, and he's helped drive incredible eight-figure revenue in just the past two years. We're going to hear all about Cody's pivot from physical therapist to online marketer and what it's like to work for your celebrity mom, why people are still underestimating the TikTok organic opportunity and exactly how Jones Road Beauty went viral, attacking the trend of contouring. You'll hear exactly how TikTok compares to Facebook ads at massive scale and what creatives work where, how Cody structures his Facebook ads campaigns for maximum simplicity, as well as how to make a killer quiz and exactly what to do with all that zero party data afterward. I hope you really enjoy it. On with the show.
1: On TikTok, everything is being done for people. They're not even choosing who to follow. They're just getting content in front of them. They're not in buying mode. They're not gonna go search around, oh, what else do they got on this website? They wanna get back on TikTok as fast as possible. So if you do wanna sell right away, you've gotta make sure you're sending people to the right offer where you're actually gonna make it really easy for people to buy multiple things. So what we do is we run all of our TikTok traffic to a quiz. Usually a quiz has a higher AOV. If you think about it, just like on TikTok, it's fun engagement, it's super quick and they're getting everything recommended for them. A quiz is also recommending everything for them so they don't have to think at all. You recommend multiple products, then you could follow up with these people later on on your own channels. Maybe reach them when they're in a better
0: buying state. That's been our approach and it's worked so well. D2C marketers, let's get real. How many hours have you wasted searching for brand influencers only to come up empty handed? It's time to stop spending time searching, scrolling, and haggling with influencers and start using creator marketing with hashtag paid. With Hashtag Paid, you can find your perfect creator match for your brand in less than 10 minutes every time. Getting started is easy, just select your audience, campaign objectives, pick from a short list of creators, and hit run. It's just that easy. There's a reason why hashtag paid is the number one rated influencer marketing platform for D2C brands. As a D2C listener, you can even get credits for your first campaign. Just go to go.hashtagpaid.com/slash DTC Pod to get started. Welcome to the D2C Podcast, Cody. Can you start by describing the growth journey that you've helped put Jones Road Beauty on since it was started just over a year ago? Yeah,
1: of course, um, I can definitely do that. So when we launched, we were pretty lucky in that we had a recognizable founder and a well-known name. So you know, we were able to get some good PR hits and build up some organic. But I think outside of that, we didn't have a ton of strategy in terms of a, a sustainable growth strategy going forward. So we had a pretty good first year, and, and you know, luckily this year we've really been able to kind of figure out some things that are working. Obviously, you know, it seems to be people are loving our products, and we're we're blowing up a little bit. But definitely, just a combination of you know, obviously driving paid, driving Facebook, driving you know, TikTok has been big for us, uh, but also really working really really hard on all of our own stuff, all of our press and and influencer. And there's still so much more that we can be doing, but we're not trying to just be a paid brand. We're trying to be, you know, a flywheel and a company that's kind of gonna do a little bit of everything just for very sustainable and profitable growth.
0: You guys have grown quite a bit, right? In in, in your just your, your your short time.
1: Yeah, yeah. We launched officially uh, October 2020, so 2021 was our first full year. Uh, did well, did really well, and I mean, our goals were to double that for year two. And you know, if if we, you know, we're what almost end of February doing this? January February has been two x three x that easily. So I think we would be very disappointed if we doubled that at this point. So feeling pretty good about it. Now it's
0: inventory issues, CX issues, building the team, but but it's all really good problems. It makes your pivot look all the smarter. It's funny. I was just looking at your LinkedIn and saw uh, like about your sort of... Yeah, I got to update that.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I was Go just looking like,
0: you pivoted uh, like from phys- physical therapy from, you know, r- running a practice uh, into digital marketing. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so when my, my wife and I started that business together, I was a strength and conditioning coach. She was a physical therapist, uh, and we, you know, met somewhere else where we were both doing it. That's what I thought I would wanted to be doing—just training athletes. And we opened up our, our first business, and and I realized, you know, I thought if you were good, people would come, and that was not the case at all. So I learned, I, I don't want to say I was anti marketing before. I just had no interest in it, really. I thought if you were good, people would come, and we learned the hard way that that's not true. So, you know, I have a very one-track mind, so as soon as our bank account started getting low and we were trying to figure out, like, do we do we change gears, do we do something else, you know, we found a, a marketing course. We're like, ah, oh, what the hell, like one last shot, and I just kind of got hooked on marketing from there. So, you know, grew that business. Kind of all aspects of marketing is very, like, direct response. Like, the guy was very inspired by, like, Dan Kennedy, Jay Abraham, G- Gary Halbert. Do you remember his name? Uh, so the guy, his name is Paul Goff. He teaches like just for physical therapists, but he t- essentially teaches like Dan Kennedy's methods, a lot of like kind of you know lead gen, direct response stuff. But that kind of just exposed me to the whole world of it, of direct response copywriting and and marketing and and you know obviously Facebook ads. So we kind of used that. We grew our business, and and I learned so much because you know yes, it's not even remotely related to what I'm doing now, but you know just to give you some background, we were selling ten thousand dollar cash based physical therapy across the street from somebody who, who you could pay 25 bucks a session with insurance to go see. So we had to be able to create so much value, be able to create so much desire, overcome so many objections, you know, and, and most local businesses aren't really using digital marketing to really help them grow that quickly. But we were mainly Facebook, tons of Google. So just got super hooked on that. And then kind of people just started taking notice that I knew and, you know, kind of did some consulting and then kind of one thing led to another. And here we are. But it's been it's been really helpful to have that kind of background is is very unique. Um, and I think it's really helped me a lot.
0: Let's talk about uh, the fact that you're that Bobby Brown, the celebrity that started the company, is also your mom. Uh, and so what an amazing like family asset to be able to, you know, become really good at performance marketing as she's launching her own independent brand.
1: It, it worked out. I mean, initially, so she had another brand like a supplement company that she was kind of just doing like in between. You know, she left Bobby Brown Cosmetics and and kind of before her non compete ended, and and they kind of which was bought by was Estee running, Lauder,
0: right? Yes,
1: a while ago, like like twenty five years ago. Yeah, yeah, and and so she kind of left there and just she wasn't planning doing her own thing; just wanted to explore some other things. So did it did a supplement brand, and the person who was running paid for them, just kind of doing all of their marketing left. And, you know, this was when I still had the physical therapy company, but they're like, we don't know anyone else. Like, can you do it? So kind of hopped in there. This was like, you know, March 2019, 2018, maybe. And kind of just, you know, scaled that through Facebook and, and performance marketing. And when they were getting ready to launch Jones Road, they, uh, the GM reached out to me. I was like, hey, like, can I just get your opinion? Like, do you think we should go agency? Should we go in-house? And I was like, don't go agency. And they were like, well, we don't really know how to find somebody in-house. Like, can you do it? And I was like, oh, I don't really know if I want to do the whole family business thing. Um, and so I was kind of just consulting in the beginning and then I'm not very good at just like letting things be. So I wasn't good just doing a few hours of consulting. So it kind of just, you know, went, went from there and here we are today. Amazing. And, uh, you still have your hands on the ads too, right? Yes. I'm still, still buying. So managing Facebook and TikTok.
0: Yeah. What is your total purview as director of e-commerce and what is your team like currently? So it's
1: not official yet, but it's probably, like, I don't think director of e-commerce is the best title. It's probably more similar to, like, CMO, and that's probably the direction it's heading in. But essentially, so, you know, manage the website, so manage our agency, manage, you know, we don't do a ton of conversion rate optimization yet, but definitely managing what little that we do, uh, building landing pages for paid, you know, managing all of all of our performance marketing budget. So setting targets, you know, figuring out where where we're spending what. And then I'm, you know, myself, I'm actually buying on TikTok and on Facebook, uh, kind of playing the role of creative strategist as well. I mean, we're trying to hire up until about probably six weeks ago. I was also running email and SMS, but we've made a great hire for that. So no longer doing that. And then I'm also, you know, involved in some of our like a little bit of influencer. Like we just hired a director of influencer, but kind of like managing the rest of that, that team for those different
0: roles. Hands in a lot of buckets to start for sure. So what in this realm has been your biggest lever for growth?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say there's just been one. Obviously, we're super blessed to have a well-known founder and and Bobby and be able to get a lot of really good press. So, you know, we've had some good partnerships, some really good hits. I mean, that's been great, but it's, you know, you you the quote I love is you pay for ads, you pray for PR. So every source of traffic has its pros and cons, you know. And so we would definitely have some amazing days, some amazing months if we got a big hit, you know but you, you can't predict that paid. We, we, you know, we haven't raised outside money. We're trying, we're direct to consumer only. So we're trying to do this very profitably. So we, we want to keep our, you know, our MER, our percentage of ad spend kind of you know, a certain percentage of our total revenue. So we we are really trying to grow things in tandem and in parallel together. So kind of coming into this year, we weren't really sure. Like we did, we did fine, we, we did what we did, but I think to get to the next level, we I knew at least that we needed something big. So, you know, we were plotting, do we do some linear commerce like SEO stuff? You know, do we do kind of some, some video stuff? And uh, just happened to kind of stumble into TikTok. We really weren't doing anything. And that kind of has blown us up and, and uh, just changed our business completely. Um, So that's kind of been our, really our biggest organic acquisition strategy right now.
0: And sorry, that's TikTok organic versus TikTok ads? Both combo,
1: but yeah, I mean, the the day we, You know, essentially, Bobby went viral on TikTok. Her and I kind of, you know, were chatting with some people. We actually chatted with Gary Vee. She knows Gary Vee a little bit. And we were asking him kind of some strategic stuff. And, you know, if you've ever seen any of his videos, it's just like he is in the videos. He's like TikTok. He's like, you got to go all in on TikTok. You got to hire a team of four people, be posting four times a day. He's like, he's like, you can build a hundred million dollar business. And this is not us. Like anyone can. He thinks you can build a hundred million dollar business just off TikTok alone. You know, that's the the content. The distribution is just kind of who knows how long it's gonna last. But right now, so we we posted some stuff that day and pretty much went viral. Um, to our I think we had a million views in the first twenty four hours and kind of uh, that was January tenth and definitely not looking back. What and you- then and then we're taking that stuff and running that as paid. What were those posts? They were, the,
0: they were the interview with Gary V?
1: No, 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 no. So the first one was literally I just put up. It was like, you know, this was my idea. I was just like, hey, let's just say, Bob, you know, Bobby introduced herself. Hey, I'm new to TikTok. Question, reply. Like, I'm new here. What do you guys want to see? And I thought we'd get like 10 comments on it. I think we got like a few hundred comments on it, you know? Um, I didn't think because, A, we have a pretty wide wide age demographic, but everybody talks about TikTok being for the kids, you know? And also the the beauty stuff I've seen on TikTok is not our look. Ours is a very simple, no makeup makeup look and kind of the TikTok stuff has been more dramatic. So I wasn't expecting that much and I think that's why we didn't push to get on TikTok a lot sooner.
0: TikTok has that authenticity in that a little bit too, right? Like they say that Instagram is where you want to, you know, you go to be seen in a certain way, but TikTok people kind of let it all hang out a bit more. So there's probably a good brand affinity there.
1: And that that's that's why it's it's really been working, I think. So we got a few hundred comments. We just picked two story replies. One of them was a common one. It was makeup tips for 50 plus, right? So who would have thought that the, one, the first one we went viral on was makeup tips for 50 plus? Because like... You know, that that who would have thought fifty plus were on, on but that on TikTok, that was the one where we blew up. It was cool because that we got press hits about it. I mean, so that dramatically changed our business, doubled, maybe maybe tripled kind of our, our traffic and revenue and then got picked up by some really big PR outlets and then we also did one on essentially Bobby's like anti-contouring anti like nose contouring like trying to like change the shape with makeup of you like so somebody asked a question about like how to contour your nose and I kind of like scripted Bobby and kind of coached her through it but kind of like again very authentic like why would you want to contour you're beautiful as you are like that's kind of been her message from her entire career and I think that there was just this demand that like TikTok just needed that message so much because, yes, it's very authentic, but there's also probably a lot of the beauty stuff, where it's which is like very like drag makeup, cover it up. So just kind of having that white space, I think, has been amazing for us.
0: And to be controversial a little bit, to be able to step in, I've seen so I you know, just through scanning, I see those contouring videos totally. and it's shocking to me. Our,
1: uh, our, at least the the way I think of it, and this is what Bobby's really good at, our brand strategy, our content strategy is being positively polarizing. So polarizing, but in a very good way, not in a negative way, but if there's trends that people are doing that we don't necessarily love and don't think it's the healthiest from a confidence and self-esteem perspective, like we'll happily call that out and be like, try to, we try to be very refreshing and in terms of the beauty industry.
0: I, I want to dive into the, some of the technicals on TikTok and Facebook, but I, I've just been having this thought about how with with Bobby, it's it's similar to me of like the Joe Rogan and the Spotify situation a little bit where it's like you leave the, the brand that you were with. It's, it's your namesake brand. You start a new brand and you take your audience with you in a lot of ways. But I feel like someone like Joe Rogan, for instance, even if he were to be kicked off a platform, he'd just go to another platform and find an audience. So it really is a, a, like a hugely beneficial thing when you have distribution built into your persona.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I guess, you know, I've talked to like Nick Sharma about this, like two different types types of like influencers or kind of celebrities. And like, one is somebody who's probably like an Emma Chamberlain. Like I know she has a an audience everywhere, but you're kind of known for the content you create, you know? You're a content creator and an influencer that way. And then you also have people who are known for other things and they have a following just because of it. And maybe that's one of the pros of that. Somebody like Bobby or Joe Rogan, like they're not known just for the content they create on one platform. So it might be easier to take that with you.
0: Interesting. Okay, let's get back into the technicals a little bit. Like what what are you seeing right now? If I was first of all curious, just on TikTok, what are you seeing about the buying habits of organic users versus paid users? Yeah, totally. I, I, it's tough to say. Like, I don't know if I have enough data on the
1: buying habits of paid versus organic and, and probably don't do a good enough job splitting that out. But I'll, I would say this this would be a good anecdote. Um, the day we went viral. So on Google, you know, most of our Google search, our Google spend is brand search. You know, so it's top of funnel, people seeing us other places. We were spending about 2000 2500 a day total. The day we went viral, January 10th, we spent like 7500 on Google that day. So and then we also use like no post purchase survey. So you know whether it's paid or organic, and I really don't think there's that big of a difference. And you know I can talk about why TikTok is is a distribute. It's a top of funnel awareness. Even when you're running paid, like direct response paid, it's very top of funnel awareness. So you're going to get a ton of views. It's kind of similar to like YouTube, you know, you're going to get a ton of views, a ton of brand impressions, but you're not going to see that many direct conversions. So whether you're running paid or organic, I think that's something that's super important to know in terms of the type of content that you create, kind of the, the funnels that you drive people to, but also how you go about attribution and tracking that.
0: It's interesting. It's kind of like TV and, and I just practically I think for a lot of people it's like the alternative to TV at this point. It's like you know even if you're watching TV you're probably also TikToking or you know. Well
1: well and so TikTok's not a social platform. TikTok is an entertainment platform. It's just like what I do at night, right? Like I, when my wife puts something on that I don't want to watch, I put my headphones in and instead of watching TV, like I'll go on TikTok, right? Cuz like I'll get a lot of like comedy stuff, a lot of like really entertaining stuff. So it's it's not a social platform. If you'll see, people will take the best TikToks and they'll share it on social. They'll share it on Twitter and they'll text it to their friends. They'll share it on Instagram. So it doesn't replace Instagram. I think that's really important. It's much more of an entertainment thing, like like you kind of said.
0: Any other insights on TikTok? Like we have a never-ending appetite, I think, from our listeners and readers about like what. Do I mean, you want to talk really about like pay, the that's... paid funnel? Yeah, on the paid side of things. What does the paid funnel look
1: like? Yeah, definitely. So the my favorite part about TikTok is a few things. But first of all. The content is so native; it's it's the platform with the least amount of difference between paid and organic, and I think that's an amazing thing for advertisers um, because again, once something looks like an ad, people are gonna skip right by it. Some of the TikTok ads that I've seen are so good you just don't realize it's an ad, right? So like everybody says, make ads, make TikToks, not ads, and that's the most important thing. So we we try to run as much of our budget on Sparkheads as we can. Obviously, we run it mostly through Bobby's page, which is super helpful. And we're just trying to you know, live up to our brand pillars. We're trying to educate. We're trying to do the stuff that was working organically. So what we usually do is just launch something organically. If it hits and we get some good engagement, I will edit that up with three different hooks on the top of it, usually. I will launch those as dark posts And then I'll I'll run those as Spark ads. So there's really almost no difference between our organic and our paid strategy. Obviously, there's some like not all organic is going to work for paid, but definitely a lot of them will. And I don't mind putting these ads on on Bobby's page because they do lead with a lot of value. And what we do, what I found... when we drive, we can drive Facebook traffic straight to our PDPs. You know, we have about a hundred dollar AOV uh, usually, and we can drive to a PDP for like a thirty thirty five dollar product, and people will take multiple products. On TikTok, they don't do it. On TikTok, they buy that one thing and they bounce. And my theory, my hypothesis for why is because on TikTok, everything is being done for people, right? I don't I don't want to say that people are lazy, but that's partly what they're doing on TikTok. They're not even choosing who to follow, right? Like they are on other platforms. They're just getting content in front of them, right? And so what happens is they're just browsing. Again, they're not in buying mode, right? So, A, they're not going to go search around, oh, what else do they got on this website? They want to get back on TikTok as fast as possible. So if you are going to do it, right, if you do want to sale right away, and I'm going to argue you don't, you, I'd actually rather make that sale later, but you've got to make sure you're sending people to a, the right offer or the right you know, merchandising of your, your pages where you're actually going to make it really easy for people to buy multiple things. But the other thing is I actually don't want to because, again, I think a lot of people think TikTok traffic is not good. And I don't think TikTok traffic is not good. I think it's the people, the audience that is on TikTok is fine if you reach them somewhere else. I think it's just a state of mind, and a state of behavior they're in is not great. So what we do is we run all of our TikTok traffic to a quiz. We go to an advertorial or like a listicle, like a five reasons why that leads to a quiz. That way we can do a few things. Usually a quiz has a higher AOV. Than most things if you think about it right just like on TikTok, people are a it's fun engagement it's super quick and they're getting everything recommended for them a quiz is also recommending everything for them so they don't have to think at all you can recommend multiple products and the best part like i talked about it being like a top of funnel discovery thing then you can follow up with these people later on on your own channels and maybe reach them when they're in a better buying state so that's been our approach and it's, it's worked so well
0: they're in an entertainment state on TikTok, as you say. So keep them in that entertainment state and then gather zero party data, which you can then use to you know, enhance their their buying experience and probably drive higher conversions, higher AOV, all those things. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Get them more familiar with the brand. So they're a little bit more loyal. So yeah, that's been our approach and it's worked really,
0: really well. Very cool. So, what what makes a really good quiz? Because I think there's a lot of you know, it's easy to, to 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 throw something on a page. But what what really makes a good quiz? That's that's a great question. I think there's
1: two things. I mean, I think it depends, and I think every brand can have a quiz. It's just gonna, you're going to have a different quiz. Obviously, in beauty, a shade finding quiz is the most important thing, right? People people are you know, there's very few just direct to consumer beauty companies, I mean Glossier is one, but they have their own brick and mortar DTC, but people are used to buying makeup in retail stores. So, it's really hard for some people, especially as you want to continue to grow in your total addressable market, to have confidence knowing what shades they should get. So, you you really have to do an amazing job and we're working really hard on this. We're we're revamping our quiz even though it's good to try to make it the best quiz in the world so people feel super confident knowing the right products for them and the right shades for them so that's the most important thing whatever objections you have make it very very clear for people that they have confidence to purchase and then number two just on the back end think about what data you want to collect even if it's not going to influence the results of the quiz at all what data you do you want to collect so a you just have better insights into your customers that's super important but also then you can personalize your emails and you can personalize your sms flows to make sure that you're giving people
0: very personalized messaging that's gonna resonate with them. And so in the quiz, are you specifically then um, pivoting that against shades, specific shades, specific products, or are there other things that you're actually pivoting the emails that you'll you'll send or the SMS that you'll send?
1: Yeah, we'll do both. Um, I mean, obviously, so when somebody takes a quiz, they go to the results page, not only do they get the products that we recommend based on what their goals are, what their age is, what kind of look they prefer, they also get the shades of those products. And then in the emails, the first email is, hey, here's your results. And that has the exact things that they looked at, right? So that it's like very personalized, you know, hopefully they can kind of just take that straight to their cart from there. But then if somebody doesn't buy, we're not gonna just hit them on the top of the head and say, buy, buy, buy. We're gonna try to figure out based on that quiz data, and we're gonna segment them to say, Hey, you know, you told us you were, you were new to makeup. One of the questions we're, we're revamping our quiz, but in our new quizzes, you know, how comfortable, how familiar are you, you? know? So if somebody's new to makeup, let's give them a little bit different education and a little bit something else. Maybe let's say, here's a really simple makeup routine and we'll do some education and then recommend three products in there. Or if they say that they're a makeup artist, we can be like, you know, the headline of the, if it can be a makeup artist, top pick or something like that, you know, just to kind of personalize it. Um, so that's kind of
0: what we're doing with it. It's time to let your customers enjoy the products they love without the friction of reordering. That's why the world's most innovative brands like Pete's Coffee and Il Maquillage rely on order group subscriptions to build long lasting customer relationships and deliver recurring revenue Order Groove integrates with all e-commerce platforms, making the experience easy to manage and seamless for shoppers. From enrollment incentives to churn-fighting AI, Order Groove gives your business the tools it needs to be the next big subscription success story. Visit ordergroove.com/dtc to receive 2 months off your first contract. Love it. Okay, we ju- we jumped in the quiz there. I want to go back to the to the platforms a little bit. So with TikTok, what are you seeing in terms of the prices? Uh, versus, like, here, here's my one question too. When you have, were you finding that big ad spends in any way affected the the organic algorithm? I haven't, but I don't know if that's something I've paid enough attention to or kind of tested. Um, it hasn't been a detriment as far as you. Can no, tell I've when heard.
1: You're spending. I've heard from some people that you know when you boost when you run it something as a spark that did well organically, it kind of limits the organic reach. I don't know. I don't have anything to kind of compare yeah. to that to, so I don't know. Uh, but I, have, I haven't found that to be the case.
0: What about the overall sort of cost of traffic that you're seeing on TikTok versus a platform like Facebook?
1: Yeah, definitely. So definitely lower. I mean, CPMs are probably, I would say, probably a third of what they are on Facebook for us. Um,
0: cl- our click-through rate is not as high. Do you think your costs are lower? Would they be lower because you're doing an entertaining thing about a quiz versus going for the conversion? I, I think we'll
1: definitely we've noticed that the more engaging entertainment, um, educational, content, right. That definitely performs better, has a better average watch time. So yeah, these spark ads, I mean, w- when we started, we were running, not spark ads. So we were running from our page. They were much more just here's our product. Here's why it's so great buy our product. We would get like a three to five second average watch time. You know, now we're getting like an eight to 10 second average watch time on our good spark post cause it's, it's educational. So it doesn't look like it's an ad at all. And that theoretically should reward you in the auction to get you lower CPMs or get you better placements. So I think that's one, uh, CTRs are not as high, you know, Facebook, we're able to get, I mean, with, with similar stuff, like a a one to a two, sometimes higher on, on TikTok, like usually like a 0.75, we're pretty happy with. So that looks like we're usually at like a dollar 50 cost per click around there. So it's definitely a little bit cheaper than Facebook, um, but, you know, the revenue per session is not as high. The conversion rate's not as high. Again, it's not that I think that the traffic isn't as good. It's just where they are. So it's just kind of keeping that in, keeping that in mind.
0: So how do you track your your ROAS from uh, your campaigns that you're running directly to quizzes and not to conversions? So we're still running them. That's a great question. But we're still running them purchase
1: optimized, right? So everything is still purchase optimized. We're still profitable. We're still using a ROAS and CPA target. Um as of you know recording this tiktok attribution is not great they they'll even admit that you know it's it's usually on a one day click I th- maybe a one day click one day view so you you can't compare that apples to apples to facebook so i definitely recommend a first party you know server side tracking tool we use Triple Whale, which has been super helpful so getting that in there is is super helpful knowing what your in platform roas kind of needs to be to get your triple whale or, or whatever it is, overall ROAS is important. You know, using post-purchase surveys is important. Um, there's no like one source of truth, but it's kind of like triangul- triangulating all of that together.
0: Okay, so onto the Facebook platform. What are, you, what are you seeing overall? What are your overall impressions of the Facebook ads platform right now?
1: So obviously everybody's talking about arbitrage being over and, and doom and gloom. Um, I don't totally agree. I, I think Back that, up on that. Explain, yeah.
0: explain what you mean by that, yeah. arbitrage being over... Yeah. Be, yeah.
1: So, um, you know, again, as of recording this, like, Facebook had their earnings report. I think that was probably two to three weeks ago. And, you know, their, their market cap and stock price took a huge hit. And, you know, two of the things that stuck out to me were daily active users were down, right? So people are using Facebook less, but CPMs were, were up, you know, and obviously there was also, I think they lost it was it $9 billion or $19 billion of of revenue from advertisers. So clearly people are not finding it to be as effective, but costs are up. So it's, it doesn't work as well and costs are up. The squeeze is on. Yeah, the squeeze is on. So a lot of brands, right? Like, And now a lot of brands say Facebook doesn't work, it's too expensive. I actually think it's appropriately priced. Besides TikTok, I really don't know any platforms that are going to get you a more efficient result and at scale. So I I actually think it's appropriately priced. I just think it was too cheap and too good this entire time. And I think brands just took advantage of it. So brands were able to not build great robust businesses, not work that hard on SEO, on conversion rate optimization, on creative, just kind of put up some mediocre creative and kind of buy their way to success. And you just can't do that anymore. I mean, our account is completely on broad. We have three ad sets running in our entire account, and we're not, you know, spending a small amount of money. And part of the reason I think we're able to do it is a because we we work really hard on our creative, but it's also because we have a brand. We're not trying to be a performance marketing company, you know, who that's kind of their main focus. We we do a ton of PR. We're, we're building an influencer program. We're building an affiliate program. You know, we're growing our email list. We we work super hard on that. Our SMS list organic social, you know, we're, we're doing all of that stuff and paid instead of paid and then dabbling in the other stuff. And that's what I find. It's like the brands that are true brands that have a, a unique value proposition, product differentiation. True product
0: market fit, which I think you have totally. as well, right?
1: Exactly. All that stuff. I think that's super important and those brands are not struggling on Facebook right now, but the ones who just have neglected all of that and they're the 30 second skincare that does the
0: exact same thing, you know. Those are the ones that I think are struggling a lot more. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Um, and I, the the water's kind of going out a little bit. The tide's going out, and and if you're if you don't have strong foundations, as you say, um, yeah, the Facebook magic button isn't quite working as well. Um, so you mentioned three camps. So you're spending let's say tens of thousands of dollars a day potentially, or or so, um, and and you're running three ac- three campaigns. Uh, what are you doing? Like, can you talk a little bit more about how you're structuring things in your Facebook ad account?
1: Yeah, of course. So broad is just what I found work, works best for us. Um, so broad, you know, just just meaning no detailed targeting, no interest, no lookalikes. Um, we are in the UK and Canada. And recently I actually just lumped it all into one, into U.S., and that's been working pretty well. There's, there's no right or wrong. I think that's the most important thing, especially if I tweet about stuff. Like, sometimes context is limited. It's what's working for us. But I think the general principle is keep it consolidated and keep it simple. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't use interest or lookalikes if they work for you. We just have found that broad is the best approach for us. So we have one main broad. We have one, um, and that's the majority of our budget, we have one retargeting. We used to have multiple different ad sets in there. Right now, we're we're just running one kind of consolidated. And then we have one creative testing campaign where we'll have multiple ad sets in there, just kind of depending on how many variables we want to test. Um, that's about probably 8% of our budget, but I'd like to get that closer to like 10 to 20% of our budget. Keeping it simple and then focus, You know, because even if you can get, let's say, a 10% increase in efficiency by using an interest, right? Maybe you do it, but I think it's short-term. It's less scalable it's short-term. Your time, If your time is focused there, and again, like I'm running our media while trying to run like all of our marketing, like oversee all of our marketing. If you focus on creative offers, landing pages, I think you can get like a 200% increase in efficiency by doing that stuff. So I'd rather kind of not pick up pennies and like not worry about the interest and really focus on the stuff that I think is really going to move the needle. So that's our approach is – offer. I mean, we don't run a ton of offers in terms of like discounts or gift food purchases, but figure out your, your most attractive product or your most attractive offer, figure out what's really going to move the needle for you from a creative perspective. And then, you know, landing pages, we haven't done a ton of it, but it's definitely something we're beginning to test a lot more.
0: Are you using the same creative from TikTok, the same sort of like all over the place, more organic content, or is it is it a different approach on Facebook? So it's different. What works on Facebook doesn't necessarily work on TikTok, but
1: so but it's still we it's very ugc we, we try to do ugc in an on-brand way so it's still a little bit more polished we're, we're starting to test up some more kind of studio stuff but we will take our best tiktok stuff and we will run it on facebook and it crushes it highest click through rates i've seen it does so well because to me a good tiktok whether that's an ad or organic is just a good piece of marketing content. Like, think about an organic TikTok. You have a great hook, right? You need a great hook. You have to keep somebody really engaged. You're not just selling product, right? You have to entertain. So like that's what good ads should do in the David Ogilvie va- phase. Like that's what good ads did. And we got so far away from that. But I think that's why ad TikToks do really well. The other reason, you know how I talked about like TikTok being more of an entertainment thing than a social thing? Mm-hmm. So we're now I think we're being conditioned that when we see a TikTok watermark on Instagram we know that's like the cream of the crop. Like somebody's taking the time to pull that from TikTok and share it, and it's really good. So I know personally, if I see a TikTok watermark on Instagram, I'm stopping to, to to watch what that is. So that split second decision, I think, can also be something that's super impactful for like getting your ads watched.
0: I haven't actually done too much too many beauty interviews. I'm wondering what's the seasonality in in that space with with beauty.
1: Yeah. Um, there's definitely some, um, January is pretty strong. Actually, I was kind of surprised, but you know, it's, it's all self-improvement, betterment. So especially kind of with our messaging is of kind of like a less is more, um, this time of year has been pretty strong. Uh, you know, Q3, Q, Q4, or Q4 does really well. Summer is a little bit slower. I think it is, seems like for e-commerce in general. Um, but that's a little bit slower there. You know, people don't want to be wearing, even though people are going out, they don't want to be wearing as much and they just don't want to be sitting on their phones
0: shopping. It's probably more of that. As a performance marketer, do you have any uh, any good performance, any scrappy performance marketing stories? Like something you wanted to test that you did really quickly and it worked really well. I mean, I think going viral on TikTok counts for that. Yeah. I mean,
1: you know, we, we were considering hiring this giant team and this production team and doing these like masterclass style education videos. And it would have been a six, seven figure project. And instead we're just... We're just taking the phone, essentially going live, asking some questions and having Bobby answer some. And I mean, the amount that we've gotten returned from those videos, the amount that we've gotten, you know, back and we've we've spent from those videos has been pretty crazy. So I would say that's pretty scrappy.
0: Nice. What would you if we were to give you a $50,000 grant for uh, any place in your marketing budget to be sort of deployed in the next month? uh, Where would you where would you deploy that right now?
1: I love this question. I was thinking about it. Actually, I think I saw on another interview. Um, So I was thinking about it. I would go YouTube. I'd spend 20K on a video agency getting some creative made for YouTube. And then I'd spend 30K behind uh, ads on it. We haven't launched on YouTube. So I know that, you know, obviously creative is the most important thing. So I'm going to invest in there. And I think like the reason I'm not putting that 50K into Facebook is I don't want to just look at it in terms of like, oh, how many customers can I acquire from that 50K? But like, how much data and learnings can I get to then give me the confidence to go then and invest 200K into, into YouTube in the next quarter or something like that?
0: Do you think you need a similar organic strategy in the way you've done TikTok on YouTube where you'd want to have uh, YouTube content alongside the ads?
1: That's such a great question. Uh, honestly, I'm, not, I'm we're not doing much
0: organically on YouTube yet. I think we will, but really all of our focus is going to TikTok right now. You just need another, ca- you need another phone on a stand, horizontal, She so you can play to both <laughs> cameras easy, right? as she's doing it. She can do it at the same time. Boom, you're good. Yeah, that's funny. And, and TikTok, I mean, uh, YouTube can be
1: huge for beauty. You know, I've done kind of some surveying customers and, and doing some research and really seems like nobody's reading anymore, especially millennials and below. It's it's all either influencers on, you know, Instagram and TikTok or it's, or it's YouTube. So I think that that will be a big one for us, maybe you know next quarter. Um, but that's a great question, I honestly don't have the answer
0: to. What do you think? You know, we talk about YouTube all the time here, uh, and, and I think it, as it being the top part of the whole Google Suite funnel, And it just has, you know, when you nail it, you, you have, uh, you know, you have massive benefits for the whole, for the whole ecosystem. And yeah, I, I think ultimately because you have this content and you have the, you have the celebrity who's making the content already. If you can find a way that it doesn't double, you know, your team's work, if it's literally just another camera or something, I think you, I think you'd be crazy not to. For sure, definitely. Yeah, I'm excited about that because I think it's a big opportunity. One thing I noticed, I, beauty generally doesn't go on Amazon. Is that what you see? Beauty with really good brands kind of stay off of Amazon? Or is that, a, can you describe your choice there?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think we, we just want to, we want to control as much as we can. I mean, we are not in any retail either. You know, I, I consider Amazon a, an online retailer, so we want to control obviously all of the data. You know, whether you're building a brand to sell or you're you're building a a cash flow brand, you know, I think that the same thing is you want to control as much of everything that you can and a big part of that is data you know you want to be able to control all your customers data you want to be able to control the distribution because a you don't want to build something on rented land i think that's the, you know the most important thing but then also i think there is a little bit of a you know how you compete in retail how you compete specifically on amazon is kind of a it's not a value play, right? It's not a brand play. It's a little bit more of a convenience and price play. And that's just not the game that we want to be in. It's not we we don't want to eat into our margins like that. So that's kind of why we're choosing to
0: stay off. And I don't think we'll ever be on Amazon. Well, I have one last geeky question here, and I, I just see it in our notes from our pre-chat. Um and it's something that we're focused on right now at D2C is sort of really dialing in on our North Star metrics. Uh, for what it really means as a newsletter to have people opening over time and what that's worth, how long it takes back to pay pay back the users. I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about your data set and, and what what the sort of key goals that you're optimizing towards are beyond the obvious ones.
1: Yeah, of course. Okay, obviously beyond the obvious. Um MER, right, marketing efficiency rating or marketing efficiency ratio, we definitely have a number that we want to hit and we want to stay at. I don't necessarily set a marketing budget. I kind of, you know, when we we forecast our revenue targets, I'll kind of just pick, you know, a certain percentage of our ad spend that we we want, of our revenue that we want to be spending. And then I will just kind of increase and decrease throughout the weeks and months just to kind of keep that in line. And if we're getting a ton of or, you know great organic traction, I'll push that spend a little bit harder. If not, I, I need to pull back because really the most important thing for me is our obviously this should be done with looking at your, you know, payback period and your your LTV and your 60 day LTV, but your your CPA, your 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 cost to acquire a customer and blended is the most important. And if we're getting more organic traffic, we can afford a little bit more unpaid, but that's really just the most important number that we're looking at once you know your obviously your contribution margins and your LTV.
0: And that's you're in that CMO cockpit. So that's those are, you know, really what you want to be guiding things by. And it sounds like you're really building out your team. You'd previously talked about hiring director of uh, influencer. and Now you've got that person in place. How big is your marketing team now?
1: We are, we're probably like 15 person total team, maybe getting closer to 20. We just hired um, director of CX and, you know, I consider that marketing. So that person will start in about two weeks, just hired director of influencer. We have like a brand consultant, um, looking to hire us, you know, like a social media manager role. We are probably, I think we found like a director of like acquisition and I'm looking probably for like a, a full-time like video editor and designer. So, I mean, we're looking to add like probably like five to six roles coming up in, you know, the next few months.
0: I would say we're probably about like eight people on the, the total marketing team right now. Very cool. Well, Bobby, if you're listening to this, I think Cody needs a promotion. <laughs> uh, just, uh, you, you're absolutely killing it over there. Appreciate that, man. Uh, and I really appreciate this chat today. Uh, if any any listeners out there want to get on the Jones Road Beauty uh, train, you can go to it's jonesroadbeauty.com. And then if people want to follow you, it sounds like you might have a few, the, the, the occasional spicy take on Twitter. Where do you recommend they, they reach out to you?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do a little bit less actually because sometimes my my replies are just like lit up for days. Like I posted something about like which attribution window what's like on another podcast I was on, and it's a, a week later and I'm still getting tagged and stuff. So I'm like I'm so over that. Uh, so I'll will try to keep it just value, no no bait. But uh, at Cody Pluff. So C O D Y P L O F. And then I also write a weekly newsletter. You can kind of subscribe. It's just like the the pin tweet, but it's a decent newsletter, just really about what's what's on my mind and what I'm learning every week. Any final words for
0: uh, aspiring CMOs, current directors?
1: Yeah, definitely. One thing I talk a lot about on Twitter, and it's not always the most popular opinion, but I think that there's a false dichotomy between brand and performance marketing. And I think I, I'm a performance marketer, I'm a media buyer, but I think we can be so myopic sometimes. And I really think that the more we can learn from brand marketers and realize good performance marketing and good brand marketing have so much in common that we really shouldn't be considering them separate things at this point. Um, That would be the biggest thing. I would not be nearly as successful as I am and Jones wouldn't be if we
0: didn't have that appreciation for both sides of the marketing funnel. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at Consumer, all one word, dot co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.